Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. How are we today? We good, Our Savior's Church. Balcony, how are we? All right. Don't let the balcony show you up, folks. How are we today? I love it. I love it. Man, was this morning so powerful? I just have to take a minute. 22 people, 23 people water baptized this morning. Man. Yeah. That's somebody's next step. Those are individuals that, that privately, internally, on their own, realize that Jesus is Lord and Savior of their lives, made a decision to follow him, never be the same, and then decided to take a step. We're going to hear me talk about steps a lot today. Take a step to be water baptized publicly in front of everybody. That's an inward decision and a public declaration. How many you know this is a church that isn't stuck? That's, that's a big deal. And I, I need you to understand, when a church isn't stuck, what does that mean for a community? It's just a matter of time. How I many you know New Iberia needs to get unstuck? It needs to be unstuck. There, there are places in our community where people are moving out and not moving in. There are businesses represented in this room that have seen more customers last week than maybe they'll see this week. How I many you know we need to flip that the other way around? New Iberia needs to be a place where people want to come there's hope in here. Well, I got news for you. If you'll help me, what God is doing in here can fill the streets out there. But that's what it's going to take. I'm going to share just a little bit today, um, and, and it really kind of centers around missions and Mission Sunday. Um, but I'm hoping that it can, we can have a next step conversation as well at the same time. I'm going to try to do two things Talk to you. So one of your ears needs to be listening toward missions, and the other one of your ear needs to be thinking about next steps. Can, can you help me today? Can we do that? Uh, there's a quote by John Piper that really sets the, sets the tone for what I want to share with you today, and it's this. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Missions exist because worship doesn't. And I need to set it up for you, but by the end of service, you'll understand why that quote is so powerful. Missions exist because worship doesn't doesn't. All of scripture is a story. All of scripture is a story. It's, it's your story. It's God's story about you. Romans 3 tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Not, not just in this room, all of mankind throughout all of history has sinned and fallen short. Romans 1.19 tells us that God has revealed himself to man in such a way, here's what it says, that they are without excuse. That God has taken the time and the opportunity and the way things are structured in the creation of all of heaven, that every man that has decided to do it of his own knows and is without excuse that there is a God. And God goes to show us that the result of sin is an exchange of worship. Think about that for just a second. Sin is nothing more than an exchange of worship. You do know that you were made to worship. You were made to worship, and this is how it works. You don't choose, I'm going to worship God, or I'm not going to worship. The choice that we make, sin makes for us, is that if I'm not worshiping God, I'm worshiping someone or something else. 
Some of us have made the mistake of worshiping what others think. And so we do decisions and we make things and we, we live our lives in a way that's more concerned about what other people think instead of what, what God thinks for us. You say, well, Pastor John, I don't worship anything. Well, I got news for you. You're probably worshiping yourself. If, if God is not the one who gets to decide what's going on in your life, then somebody is deciding what's going on in your life. Sin is nothing more than an exchange of worship. So when I read scripture and it tells me that all have sinned, all have fallen short of God's glory, not just us in this room, but all of mankind, here's essentially what's happened. We have taken and we have exchanged worship for worship of something else. That's why that quote is so powerful. Missions exist. The reason why we go is because there are people who don't know to worship God, and instead of worshiping God, they're worshiping something else. Missions exist because worship doesn't. And we read in Scripture, we read in our Bibles, that we learn, especially in the Gospels, that the goal of Christianity, I hope you understand this, the goal of Christianity is not to get to heaven. It's for heaven to come to earth. You may have grown up praying that. God, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, right? That's, that's how we, we grew up praying that. The gospel isn't a picture of a finish line, is it? No, it's, it's a picture of a starting block. It's, it is a race. There's a reason why the gospels are in the front of your New Testament and not in the back of the New Testament. Becoming born again is just the starting block for the race that God has you on. If that were the case, if the whole goal of Christianity is for you to make an inward decision and then a public declaration and the next thing would be getting to heaven, we would have put in those, those individuals this morning that got baptized, we would have held you under twice and only brought you up once. It would have been like, here you go, congratulations, you'll be in heaven, I'll get there real quick. Like, we, don't, we don't do that. Why? Why? Because we're trying to get you on mission for what God has for you, the goal of Christianity is not to get to heaven. It's for heaven to be here on earth. You do know we have a mission here on earth. You have a go to obey. Let me show you this in Scripture. This is Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Big important word there, two letters, starts with G, ends in O. What is it? Go. We've been given a mission. All authority that's been given to Jesus on heaven and on earth, and here's what he wants us to do. He wants us to go. Remember, missions exist because worship does, and I would say it this way. As long as there are those in the world who do not worship God, there will be a need for world missions. As long as there's a, there are those in the world that do not worship God, there will be a need for world missions. But it didn't just start with the Gospels. That's not the start and the end of it. We go from there, and Scripture takes us to the Acts. How many of you know books, the book called Acts? You've seen it in your Bible? It's actually Acts of the Apostles. Here's what it's trying to tell you. Once Jesus came, was crucified for us, resurrected, ascended to heaven, what did they do next? Well, the actions, the acts that the Apostles took is what brings us to the book of Acts. And Jesus told these guys, before you go, go to Jerusalem and wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We see this in Acts chapter 1. Here's the where of the mission. We know we're supposed to go. Where do we go? It's right here. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem 
and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, here's the challenge when you read that and you don't have this context in your mind. You may think, well, I haven't been to Jerusalem. I don't know where Judea is. I don't know the difference between Samaria and Judea, but I get the ends of the earth. Let me help you. A couple years ago, Kayla and I had the privilege of taking a trip to Israel. And while we were um, on our way to Jerusalem, we're in a bus. The tour guide is there, and he's just kind of talking, and we're, we're catching up, and he's showing different things. We were driving on our way to Jerusalem. We weren't far from it. And here's what the tour guide said. He said, we're in Judea right now. And you see over there out the window, he pointed to the north. He said, you see those mountains that are over there? That's Samaria. And then as soon as he said, that's Samaria, this verse popped into my head. And I'm thinking, I think that's what he means. Judea, right where you are. Samaria, as far as you can see. And then even further. So here's the where of the mission. And I'm not saying you've got to go to Jerusalem in order to start being on mission. I'm saying that you've got to start right where you are. You've got to look over as far as you can see. And then you've got to go beyond that to be on mission for God. Y'all seeing that? Okay, but here's the cool part. If you read Scripture and you just stop there, you think, okay, they know where. The, the, the next two verses amaze me. Think about what's happened. Jesus died buried he's resurrected he's ascended to heaven he's told them this is where you need to go this is the very next verse verse number nine and when he had said these things as they were looking on he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight and while they were gazing into heaven as he went behold two men stood by them in white robes we know those to be angels and said men of men of galilee why do you stand looking into heaven this jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. What would you do if you saw the resurrected Jesus ascend to heaven, having just told you, you need to go? Would you stand around and look up at the sky? Or would you get off and start going and doing what he's doing? Here's the challenge. They were just standing around. Jesus said, here's the mission. Here's where you're supposed to go. We just saw him ascend, and all we're doing is standing around, and I've just got to be news for you, church. That's been the challenge for Christian men and women ever since. They become born again with the revelation of who Jesus is and what he's commanded of them. They even know where he's commanded them, but they just stand around and don't go. How many of you are grateful that the person that helped you learn about Jesus didn't stand around looking at the sky, wanting to know. They went. I'm grateful. We're, we're doing an incredible work here in New Iberia, but I'm not the first one to lead a church in this area. There have been a lot of men that have gone before us. I'm grateful that they went and they go where God wants them to be, and I'm not going to be the kind of person. I don't want us to be the kind of church that just stands around and waits for the next thing to happen. So let me un- unpack this overview of the New Testament for you because I think it's going to help us in our thinking. The Gospels that we talked about, the good news tells us about the life of Jesus, his divinity, his substitutionary death, and his resurrection. How, because of what Christ accomplishes, we can be forever reconciled to God. That's the Gospels. Y'all going to help me. Y'all are the Gospels over here. We're going to teach the balcony something today. Y'all are the Gospels over here. That's what it's trying to do. Then the book of Acts, the book of Acts of the Apostles, that'll be you guys right here. Can y'all be Acts for me? Here's what Acts does. Acts comes and we see how God puts the disciples on mission by establishing local churches 
right, to equip believers to go themselves. So y'all tell everybody about Jesus and what he's done and how to be reconciled to God. Y'all going to put everybody on mission, organizing around local churches and get them going. And I don't, y'all aren't going to be left out either. I'm going to help this section um, right here. The rest of the New Testament are essentially letters that are written to tell all the churches that are started how to live and how to be not just like Jesus, but how to make disciples in the world. You see that? So we, we learn about Jesus, we get on mission and get organized, and then we start making sure that everybody knows what to do. That's what the Bible's trying to help you. We've got the Gospels, Acts, and now we've got the New Testament letters. And then there's the very last book. I didn't leave you guys out. We're teaching the balcony today. Revelation is the last book. Now, Pastor John, what's the purpose of Revelation? Revelation tells us how everything ends. It comes to the end. At the end of this book, at the end of your Bible, is the book of Revelation. It describes how things are going to look when Jesus returns and we get to spend eternity with the Father. Let me show you a couple verses. This is Revelation chapter 5, verse 9 through 10. Gospels, just hold on. Acts, we talked about you. New Testament letters, this is Revelation's turn. Verse number 9. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Now, we just had a moment of worship, and we used some of those same words that we're singing, worthy you were, worthy you are, worthy you will be forever. Imagine every people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation standing up like we just did and worshiping God. Verse 13, and I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and in all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might. For how long? Forever and ever. We learn that we've separated ourselves from God, but he sent Jesus to reconcile us. We learn that God put us on a mission to start local churches, to help people take the gospel out. We learn that it's possible to grow and become more like Christ and be better at this mission that he's given us so that we can spend all of eternity worshiping God. Not just us, but every creature, every nation, every language on earth. Here's the problem that just what John Piper was saying earlier with that quote. Missions exist when worship doesn't. If we can't get where God wants us to be, we need to go and help people reach what, what God wants them to understand. Y'all, y'all with me this morning? Some of you are looking at me like you're waiting for me to get to the good stuff. I'm doing my absolute best this, this morning. Okay, here's the picture. All people everywhere were made to worship. Although they knew God, they exchanged worship for him to worship other things. Jesus came as a gift of God to live a sacrificial life for all people. Everyone who believes in Jesus isn't just born again. They get put on a mission to go make disciples everywhere. Local churches and unreached areas are the method where the lost can be found and where they are equipped to go themselves. Jesus comes back and all of those disciples from all the nations everywhere worship together. Missions exist because worship doesn't. And I think that's why I'm so passionate about the local church. That's why I'm so passionate about what we're doing here in New Iberia. I would say it this way. Jesus set me free, but it was the local church that got me going. 
Jesus set me free, but it was the local church that got me going. I love that you have a relationship with Jesus, but are you going? If you're not, if you don't know what your next step is, you need us. You need the local church to help you figure out how do I take next steps? How do I go? How do I continue to grow? We're on a journey. Discipleship is a journey, and we're on a journey of worship and a journey of mission. And what's the mission? To go and make disciples of all nations. I was thinking about Mission Sunday this week and thinking about missions as a next step. And really, I see this in the life of Paul. We're going to spend the rest of our time talking about Paul, um, who doesn't just become the author of majority of the New Testament, by the way. The Apostle Paul really is the first missionary. You say, well, Pastor Don, what, what's a missionary? Who, who is a missionary? I'll tell you, it's very simple, very simple definition. This is a missionary. Somebody who's become so passionate about the going and making disciples, the mission that they've been put on, that they've decided to obey and go. That's a missionary. Somebody who is passionate about what God has asked them to do and have decided to go and do that very thing. Now, we don't have time to read all of Paul's story. I'm going I'm to walk you through the origin story of the Apostle Paul. Um, Paul has two names in Scripture. Um, one of them is his Jewish name. It's Saul, S-A-U-L, and Paul is his Roman name. And we read in Acts 13.9, it says Saul, who was also called Paul. So forgive me, I'm going to do my best to keep them straight as we go. But just know, I'm talking about the same guy here. Acts 9, 1-19, Saul has his own mission. His mission is actually, he's a very re religious Jewish leader who believes that the followers of Jesus are destroying the world as he knows it. This new way the disciples of Jesus are making things very difficult for his religious uh, Jewish faith. And so he's going around and he's actually persecuting and killing Christians. Right? He's on his way to Damascus to look for believers there. And he has this encounter with Jesus. You may have read about it, right? He's riding a horse and a bright light shines and it knocks him off his horse. You ever heard somebody say, I saw the light? That's what they're talking about. It comes from this story. They're like, oh, I didn't realize he saw the light. And you can answer that and tell them it's still time to get to church. The second thing that happens, he gets knocked off his horse. You ever heard somebody say they got knocked off their high horse? That's from this story too. This is this guy, Paul, who acts like he knows what he's doing. He's going around persecuting Christians, and he sees a bright light that knocks him off of his horse. The risen Jesus tells him audibly, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then instructs him to go to Damascus and says, you'll be told what to do. Now, the crazy part of the story is nobody that's with him sees or hears what he does. He gets up, he's blinded, has scales on his eyes. He continues all the way to Damascus. Now, follow me. This is Paul's origin story. This is what happens once he gets to Damascus. There he meets a follower from Jesus from a church who prays for him. He restores his sight. He gets filled with the Spirit. He gets baptized in water and then gets strengthened in a local congregation. That's at least four next steps there for those of you that are keeping track. That's going on. Paul gets born again and immediately starts taking next steps. Verse 20 tells us that immediately Paul starts, Saul starts serving in the church in Damascus. That's another step that he takes. The Jews there try to kill him. Now listen, that's not a next step here at Our Savior's Church. 
just, just so you know, you know, that we're going we're gonna to leave that for, for, for Saul in there. But the Jews, he's, he's, he's a Jew, but he's now a Christian, and he went from persecuting Christians, now being one of them, and the Jews like him who were trying to kill Christians are now trying to kill him. So he goes to Jerusalem, and he immediately starts serving there, making a circuit, traveling to different nearby communities. You say, okay, Pastor Don, what's the result of what happened in Saul's life? We see it in Acts chapter 9, verse 31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being what? Was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. What did that church do? It multiplied. What happens when people within a church start taking next steps? The church multiplies. What happens inside a church starts to affect the community outside of them. We start to have our own Judeas and our own Samarias, and we start growing when we take next steps. Now, he's taking all of these next steps along his spiritual journey, and I hope you realize so far he's matching what Jesus wanted from all disciples. I'm going to take you back so you can see it. Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Did that happen to him? Check the box. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Did he do that? Check the box. And, you, and, and all Judea and Samaria. He went there, didn't he? Check, check. And to the end of the earth. We can't check that box yet, can we? Not in our story. What do you think Paul's next step in his spiritual journey was once he got all the way there? What was his next step? Going to the ends of the earth. Going to the ends of the earth, another country, a missions trip. And this was the aha moment for me. We don't hear about Saul again until the church at Jerusalem hears about this new church in Antioch where a great number of people are being born again. They send one of their leaders, Barnabas, and he sees all that God is doing there, and he's overwhelmed, and he needs a lot of help. So he goes and gets this guy, Saul, brings him to Antioch to help strengthen and encourage the church that's there. So that church starts growing, and in Acts 13, it catches us up to the story. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them. And what they do with them? They sent them off. Here's the picture of what's happening in this church. God starts moving. Things start happening. The people in Antioch start taking next steps. Not only do they start growing in their life, the community starts to get impacted. Did you see the list of the people that were, in, that, that were in that church? There were community officials that were in that church. There were very important people that were there. I would say it would be the equivalent of our church growing to the point that people all over New Iberia started to attend. If the people here started taking next steps, we'd see elected officials here. We'd see government officials here. We'd see school board officials here. We'd see teachers here and postmen and women here. We'd see all kinds of people showing up, and that's what was happening. And he got all the way there. He's helping a church grow, doing all the things, taking all the steps. And they got to a point where Paul realizes his next step is to go on a missions trip. They sent him off. Paul and Barnabas go off on this trip. And over the next 30 years, look what happens. Saul, who began to use his Roman name Paul, visited dozens and dozens of unreached people groups. 
spreading the gospel and fulfilling the mission Jesus gave all disciples, go into the world and make disciples. But how did it start for him? It didn't start getting knocked off his high horse. It got started when he got plugged into a local congregation, when he got plugged into a local church that helped him identify what next steps he needed to take. All Jesus said was, go to Damascus, find the church, and you'll be told what to do. And every Sunday morning, I try my absolute best when you walk in here to say, listen, Jesus has done a work in your life. Now, I want to help you get where he wants you to go. I want you to help take next steps. Y'all with me so far? That's what we're doing. Earlier today, I told you about a group of disciples that were given a mission, and they got stuck standing around. I don't want us to get stuck. I don't want you to have a relationship with Jesus and then stand there and look up at heaven like, whenever you're ready to come back, God, I'm, I'm, I'm ready, right? I want you on mission. And for some here today, here's what I think. I think going on a world missions trip is your next step. Maybe not everybody, but I think there are some here today that going on a world missions trip is your next step. Remember, Jesus set me free, but the local church got me going. And I can think of three limiting beliefs as to why some would go, some would go and why some would not. Things that people believe that maybe keep them off of the world missions field. And, and as I close today, I want to share these three with you. Here's the first one. I didn't know that missions trips were a next step. Maybe that's you. Maybe you say, Pastor John, I just didn't know. I haven't gone on a mission trip because I didn't know that was the next step for me. Someone once said, every Christian needs a Bible and a passport. Every Christian needs a Bible and a passport. Look what Hudson Taylor says. He says, it will not do to say that you have no special call to go to China. With these facts before you and with the command of the Lord Jesus to go and preach the gospel to every creature, you need rather to ascertain whether you have a special call to stay at home. He's, I'm going to say it the way we say it. Don't worry about whether you need to go. You need to be thinking if God has told you to stay. He's already told us to go. You don't need to sit here and say, God, are you, are you wanting me to go? No, it's there in Scripture. Go. Go in Judea. Go to Samaria. Go to the end of the earth. Go where you are. Go as far as you can see. And then go further than that. that may be the first reason. Pastor John, I'm, I'm in. I just didn't know it was the next step. You can move on now. Here's the second point. Maybe it's, I don't think I'm blank enough to go on a missions trip. Fill in the blank with whatever you think. I, I don't think I'm old enough to go on a missions trip. I, I don't think I'm young enough to go on a missions trip. I don't think I'm good enough to go on a trip. I don't think I'm wise enough to go on a trip. I don't think I'm mature enough to go on the trip. We can keep going, can't we? Y'all do know that's the same lie with just a different adjective, right? It's the same lie that's there. I want to read this to you. This is, this is from a woman here in New Iberia. We went on our first world missions trip uh, just several weeks ago. She's in the room, but I'm not going to draw attention to to, to this, but I, I want to read this quote to you. Here's, here's what she said. Before going to El Salvador, I knew that God existed, but I never truly felt his presence. I wanted to have an intimate relationship with God, and as the weeks went on, I felt overwhelmed many times. I was jumping out of my comfort zone every day. For a moment, I felt like I made a mistake. I was wondering when I'd have my life-changing moment. The day before we left to go back home, a gentleman called me over and began to pray for me. God absolutely spoke 
through this young man. In that moment, God had my attention. He told me exactly what I needed to hear. He said, God is with you, and he has always been with you. All you have to do is believe. In that moment, I began to reflect on all the love that I witnessed while on this trip between both friends and strangers. And now, as I navigate through life, I put God first in everything that I do. I'm dedicated to learning his word and living by it. Since returning from El Salvador, I, took, I, I look around and can see God's goodness all around. My faithfulness has evolved into something that can't be explained. Question. Does that look like somebody who thinks they're blank enough to go on a missions trip? How many like, they grew while they were on that trip, didn't they? Whatever lie they were trying to believe that she stepped through and walked in. I need you to understand, maturity doesn't happen before you move. It comes as a result of you moving. If you're standing there like the disciples, looking up, waiting for Jesus to come, you don't just bloop, become more mature. We grow as we move through life. That's why you're supposed to go and make disciples, not stay and make disciples. Here's the third, third reason why I think people may not go on a missions trip. You say, well, Pastor Don, I don't know what to expect or what it looks like. I don't know what to expect or, or what it looks like. Well, why didn't you just ask me? I'd be glad to show you what it looks like. I've got a team that just got back from Colombia, and I want to show you what they experienced while they were on the team. Let's look at this. Colombia, a land of vibrant culture, breathtaking landscapes, and a diverse people. It's a place unlike any other, a place that's alive with possibility, but it's also a place that's facing some serious challenges. Poverty, inequality, a lack of opportunity, so we're packing our bags and we're leaving our homes and we're stepping into the unknown. We're not just going on a trip, we're going on a mission. We're gonna share the hope of Jesus to show his love in action and to be his hands and feet in a world that so desperately needs him. Once you've seen what we're about to see and once you've shared the hope of Jesus with those who need it most, you will never be the same. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we just, just boarded the plane. We're about to go to Columbia. I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of excited, kind of nervous, but uh, it's going to be fun. First flight. I'm expecting, like, some totally new experiences, but I think it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Get on the bus. came to the school and we're meeting with some of their athletes who play football. Two of our girl and guy, they're going to share their testimony. They're going to share what, share what Jesus has done for them. And then we're going to go outside and play some football with them. So I've learned to grow closer in that relationship with God. Le he dado mucha prioridad a esa amistad con Dios. And that's what led me to come here. Y eso es lo que me ha traído aquí a Colombia. to go and hand gifts to some of the elderly folks that are here at the nursing home here in Colombia. Yeah, pero digan Luisiana. Luisiana. 
Y hoy quiero compartirles un poco de mi historia como yo conocí a Jesús. As you guys just feel led, I'm going to start praying and you guys can go and just put your hand on their shoulders and we're going to have a time of just prayer over them. Acá atrás nos permite orar. Excelente. Perdónanos. Gracias por tu perdón. Thank you for letting us come into your home. Her overwhelming joy that she brings to her family and her grandchildren, Lord God, that you aren't done with her yet. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. here at a rehabilitation center. We're just going to share the word with them, show them some love, show them that we care just as God cares for them so much more. And yeah, let's get to it. So it doesn't matter what you've been through in life, God still loves you and it's never too late to give your life back to Christ. No importa lo que ha pasado en tu vida, lo más importante es que Dios tiene un plan ahorita. Okay, tell me, who is God? Yeah. God is all. You can see God is in all place. Mm -hmm. He is land, air, water. Because going forward, her life is changed by the Holy Spirit. Tu vida es cambiada por el Espíritu Santo. And I hope she sees the power of God through her and her family. Y ahora el poder de Dios está sobre ti, sobre tu familia. God really did move and transform hearts and renew minds and restored relationships with people on the trip. And the opportunity for us to get to put our hands to something like that is unimaginable. And we are just so grateful to have that opportunity. So truthfully, when they say never the same in reference to mission trips is because the place that you go to and impact will never be the same. But when you return, you never are the same either. Never the same. I want that for you. I want you to have that experience. Yes, I want it for the people that we're going to go and impact. Uh, but God's called me to pastor here. He's called me to shepherd what he's wanting to do in and through your life. And I'm just crazy enough to think that God would do something in your life so that he could do something through your life. I think there's a few different groups of people uh, that are here today, and I want to give each of us a next step uh, that we can take. And I, here's the first group. You know that a missions trip is your next step. You know. You just know, you know, you know. Don't need any convincing. Um, you're, you're ready. I want you to grab your cell phone. I want you to point it up at the screen. I want you to follow that QR code. It's going to be up uh, for the rest of service today. And I want you to take 
that step to sign up for a trip. There's some information in the foyer. Um, if you need that, if you need somebody to talk you through what options we have, as you can see, there's seven different trip options uh, available all throughout uh, this next year. Paul's next step was a missions trip. And my question is, how about you? Here's the second group of people here today. You're not sure if a missions trip is your next step. You're not sure what your next step is. Let us help you figure out what that looks like. Paul took a lot of different steps before missions was his step. He got there, but maybe there's some steps that you need to take. Remember, he got born again, connected to a local church. He was water baptized. He started serving all before he went out on the missions field. And I would love to help you get moving in your spiritual journey. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. In the pew back in front of you is that Blue Get Connected card you heard Hannah talk about earlier. Grab it. Flip it over on the back. There's a box that talks about next steps. If you'll just check that box, our team will reach out and help you get unstuck and learn what next steps are available to you. And then here's the third group that may be here today. Um, maybe you're new to church and you just feel very far from God. Maybe the moment we had in worship was the closest you've ever felt God's presence before in your life. Or maybe it was so familiar to you, but it's been a long time since you've been there. I want to invite everybody to bow your head and close your eyes. I want to just invite you to listen to two voices. I want to invite you to listen to mine. And then I want to invite you to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit because I think that he's orchestrated the events of today to get you here, for you to be in church, and not just be in church, but be in this church to see and hear and feel and experience everything that God wants for you. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Maybe more specifically for your life, you see how you've exchanged your worship of God for the worship of other things. And that worship has separated you from God, but you're ready to surrender and come back. Pastor Don, how do I do that? How do I, how do I exchange my worship? How do, I, how do I exchange what I've been worshiping to get back to the point where I can worship God and, and be in relationship with Him? I would say it's as simple as A, B, C. A stands for admit. That's the step. You admit that your sin, your choices have separated you from a righteous and a loving God. That you've exchanged the worship that was rightfully due him for something else in life. You need to admit that. That's the first step. That's A. Here's B. B is believe. Believe that God sent his son Jesus to live a sacrificial life. To, he lived a life that you couldn't live to pay a debt that you earned but couldn't pay. And he lived a life that you couldn't live so that you could live a life here on mission for God. If you're here today and you can admit and you can believe, then I would say the only thing left is see, and that's confess. What do I need to confess, Pastor Don? Confess Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. Savior is the easy part when it's a mess and you need help. Things aren't going the way you expected or that you scripted and you just wondered, God, is there anything more for my life? It's, it's the Lord part that makes the difference. Are you ready to put him back in charge, to give him the wheel, to let him lead you and guide you? Are you ready to get on mission today? A, admit, B, believe, C, confess. I got great news for you. If you can do those things, maybe for the first time in your life, you can admit, believe, and confess. I think the Holy Spirit has done a work in your life. Here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to pray with you. 
I'd like to pray with you. The prayer doesn't cause you to be born again. The Holy Spirit has done that in your heart already. But I want to pray a prayer with you that will give you confidence to know that your worship has been redirected back toward God. And every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Nobody's looking around except for me. But I want to know today who I'm praying with. If you're here and you'd like to be born again, acknowledging what the Holy Spirit has done in your life, I want to invite you from right there where you're seated to raise your hand and look up at me. Raise your hand and look up at me all across this room. Thank you, sir. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand too, sir. Thank you. Up in the balcony. Pastor Don, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I don't know if I died. The next face I see would be the face of Jesus. Yes, ma'am, in the balcony. I see your hand. Yes, sir. I see your hand. Once I've acknowledged you, you can put them down. One more time. Yes, sir, I see your hand. One more time, I'm going to ask Pastor Don. I didn't raise my hand before, but I want to be included in that prayer. All the way in the back, I see you. Up in the balcony. Yes, sir, little man, I see you. Yes, ma'am. I'm glad you raised your hand. Two of you sitting right next to each other. I love that. Thank you. Last time, one last look. I don't want to miss anybody. I see you. I see you. Church, here's what I'm going to do. Those of you that raised your hand to be born again, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. I want to ask you just out loud to pray this prayer. You can repeat it after me. I'm going to invite the rest of our congregation here today to say this prayer out loud with you, indicative of the fact that nobody goes through Christianity alone. Say this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. And I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt and you died for me. And I believe you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to follow you with all my heart, no matter what it costs me. And I declare that God is my Father. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, Amen, amen. Church, let's celebrate with those who were born again today.